And you're ah, this episode is brought to you by Cards Against Humanity. Yes, just not to read an ad, dear gummit. If they do want you to enjoy the show, ain't that just like them? Alexi! Alexi, come in here! What is all this noise, man? We have to see these results. We, You read. You read. I'm too excited. You uh, read. What is this? Look, what does this say to you? This, this, this. Oh, my God. Yeah! We did it, man. We did it. We did it. Alexi, we have conquered gravity itself. We shall free mankind from the infernal chains of gravity. And the infernal chains of the Tsar. Yeah, okay, Alexi, maybe later, okay? Just remember, we, you know... Someday, our Latvia will be free of the tyrannical grip. But not yet. Just wait. But but this, Alexi. The world needs this. We have created anti-gravity, Alexi. We will be renowned as the greatest scientific minds of a generation. If not the century, we will lift mankind up. We don't have to walk around pool to get sausage from other side, man. We walk across middle... No, no gravity! gravity. <laughs> <laughs> Alexi, what time is it? It's 3.30. Our time. In America, is probably seven, eight hours behind. I'm not sure. Give or take an hour. <laughs> Alexi, we do not care about Americans. It's a place we will never go to and never have to speak about again. <laughs> Filthy capitalists. But the time is perfect. I can be home just in time for my beloved Agnes to get home from high school. I'll see you tomorrow morning, Alexi. Okay, Ed. Uh, I'm going to celebrate. I, I don't know. Maybe maybe firebomb Baron's palace. I, I, I don't know. Yeah. Okay, you give him hell, but I see you tomorrow morning. 8 a.m. sharp. Okay, man. Agnes! Agnes, where are you? Are you home yet? (laughs) Agnes! Ed, what are you doing home so early? I make breakthrough in science. I I, I revolutionize world. I, I leave early. Who is this? Why are you making a face kiss? This is Giannis. Giannis? Giannis, who I know like 12 Giannis, is his most common name. My name Giannis, Latvian man. Oh, like this narrows down. Latvian man, most common last name. And I have to tell you something. I was going to tell you something, but no, no, you go first, Agnes. You go first. It is over between us. I'm Giannis girl now. He is on the varsity Lord Scott's team, and I love him. You only love your experiments and that printer that shouldn't be invented for like 60 years, man. Get out of both of you. I'm sure you would need to go talk about Lord Scott's strategy while I plan out lift mankind out from the chains of gravity. Get out! Or you're crying! Look at yourself, Ed! Let's get out of here, Agnes. This guy's total buzzkill, Mick. You leave me no choice. I was going to share my discovery with the world. But now, 
You have made me so miserable. I no longer deserve the beauty of my beloved Latvia. I will go to the worst place on earth. The armpit of the planet. The ass crack of human civilization. Yelgava? No. South Florida. <gasps> Not my chamois. Souther. And at least you have the beach. Inland. Yeah, dead. Now be gone, so that I may plan the next chapter in my self-torture. Just you wait, Agnes. I will use this breakthrough in science. I will make a castle for my heart. And that sounds... stupid. It sounds kind of cool to me. Do not help me, Giannis. Go. Goodbye, Ed. Goodbye forever. By the way, I gave you TB. Damn you! <laughs> Next week on Great Moments in Scientific Advancement. <laughs> You get to learn about history, science, <laughs> and perfect Latvian accents. That's the thing. We work so hard to make sure that our accents are exactly perfect. And you're welcome. You're welcome. Everyone, you're welcome. It is ironclad. Not even Kristaps Andresens can say uh, uh, something bad about it. He'll think that we hired actors. That's right. He'll think we went there ourselves. The Giannis Army will be... Just, oh, they did it. They got it right. Perfect accents. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Blurry <laughs> Photos. I am David Flora. And I'm Dave Stecco. Welcome. Bet you didn't expect that. Maybe you did. Flora, how you been? Oh, I've, I've been busy, man. Right? We've been starting our preparation for the break and for my break and yeah. getting broke. Um, while, while, while us little ants toil through the, the summer to prepare for the winter of our break, all you little grasshoppers get to play your fiddle and listen along. <laughs> what a strange f***ing metaphor, and I love it. <laughs> it worked. I love it. No, it did. <laughs> yeah, we're we're starting to st- to sock away uh, extrasodes and whatnots and fun things yeah. uh, for the upcoming break, so that we're not stressing our, our faces off. And Flora can have a, a really fun vacation and not have to worry about our media empire crumbling in his absence, <laughs> which he should worry about anyway. Yeah, I, I've, I'm going to have a slurry of editing to do pretty soon. <sighs> a rich slurry, uh, a rich hot slurry, Slur- slurry photos. <laughs> <laughs> but we've we've got it all planned out, and I think you all are gonna have have fun. Of course, you know when we take the break in about the middle of February, we're gonna still release something each week. It's not gonna be uh, proper episodes, but it's gonna be something entertaining. We've got some fun stuff lined up. Yeah, you know if if you don't care for it, then there's gonna be something different the week after. And just uh, hang with us. Keep that subscription button ticked. Yeah, and then. We come back with a uh, drunken, slovenly vengeance. Yeah, that's the only vengeance I want. The drink, drank, drunkenest, slim, slow, slovenest. Uh, I don't What is don't this, know. a C.S. Lewis poem? Yeah, I went uh, I went too far. I went too far. Doug, I, I, you I, dug, I, dug, I, dug, I Icarus the shit out of that joke. That's funny, isn't it? You either fly too close to the sun or you dig too deep. Yeah. Nobody ever says you, you eat too much hot dogs. I say that all the time. (laughs) 
anyways, I think we've set the date for the uh, the drinking streaming for March 10th. So if you're yep. interested in joining for that, like we said, you know, sign up to the the Patreon live stream Jack Slap level in the middle of February. Yeah, and mark your calendars for March 10th for that. So, anyways, uh, business, business, business. Am I doing this correctly? Uh, we got a good episode. So yeah, yeah, we do. We we God. I feel like this is something we've been talking about since season one. This is this is all yeah. one that has taken a long time to rattle out of the coffee can. I'm full of dumb metaphors. <laughs> Keep it up. Maybe the metaphors have a correlation with the time of day. Yeah, that's true. Well, we're doing we're doing an, uh, uh, a morning recording, which is unusual for us. Yeah, that's what uh, gathering all these little uh, puppies of of episodes. I might, might, okay. Right. The more metaphor correlation doesn't work for me in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, so we're gathering puppy episodes. We're, we do so much research on your behalf. I mean, the effects of podcasting with food deprivation. We all heard that. That was a, I got real weird. And now, uh, how about uh, the a Rise and Shine with Dave and David? This is why we can't have a real morning show. We'd just be like, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> Although people do call us a zoo crew. So I guess we, we should are, be used yeah, we to are, it. We are a, a, just an asshole zoo crew of dipshits. So, so we're going to be talking about Coral Castle. I still just hear Carl. <laughs> you really ruined me on that. Coral Castle. It is a castle uh, not made of coral, but, you know, we'll get there. Yeah. You know, when, when we do these subjects, of course, we say we, we don't like to do the mainstream, A-list, uh, well-known subjects. This one's creeping up there. Well, unless we feel like it. Uh, I always yeah. like to leave the door open. Yeah, we've softened a bit in recent past, but um, this one I would say is a, a B list, at least a strong C list of of being known and See, talked about. I, I feel like I feel like it's analogous with like the biggest ball of twine, which is a great Weird Al Yankovic song. So you you think it's just an oddity that you you only know if you like drive by on the Dixie Highway. Yeah, because I had never heard of it. Oh, okay. okay. So you and I swim in very different waters, Mr. Flora. Yeah, yeah. I dip my toe. Well, it's uh, it's pretty cool, and I think you're going to like it. And, you know, we've done a lot of research on it, and we are presenting every single fact that there is. We, we've got nothing wrong. <laughs> and see, I caught it this time. Nice. I actually, I, I put down a lot of stuff, and then at the end of it, I'm like, well, I'm sure I forgot this and that or just didn't find this or that yeah but maybe you know we just what? didn't care enough to mention it or yeah you know what there's a lot of little details in this that a lot of websites and books leave in i don't i don't think they're necessarily gonna uh, uh turn your tuesday into something taco-y you know what i like though is like the more we talk about what we're not including the more people are gonna wonder what what wait why <laughs> <laughs> well trust us it's the, the stuff we leave out is kind of lame. So, all right. Uh, raise the portcullis. Lower the drawbridge, Flora. Yeah. Let's, Why don't you take us in? Let's let this to the um, Coral Castle. This uh, information cavalry ride. Yeah. We're going to probably get the boiling pitch poured on us at some point okay. and look out for those Turkish murder holes. I, I'm not going to say pump the brakes. Uh, but <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna look at you a bit. <laughs> I just got to, I got to bring back our death metal band, Turkish Murder Hole. That's true, Turkish Murder Hole now touring with Icequake. Mm-hmm. Next, next, uh, next shows in Boise. Right. 
We often talk about uh, ancient megalithic structures and their mayhaps mysterious origins and construction. Well, here's a head fake for you. Ha! How about an honest-to-goodness modern-day megalithic structure right near the U.S.'s beer and swamp-soaked southern tip? Just the tip. Such is the site of the enigmatic Coral Castle, a man-made limestone structure that is impressive enough on its own, but to some defies explanation and human expectation. So, what is so special about a bunch of rocks on a plot of land in Homestead, Florida? Mostly, it's builder, Latvian-American Edward Leedskalnen, and the fact that he built it by himself between 1923 and 1951 with what is said to be primitive tools and simple machines. Pish posh, eh? Pish posh, eh? Well, you might wish for that pish back after learning that the castle contains megalithic slabs several tons in weight each, and the whole thing comes in around 1,100 tons. hey It is an impressive sight, but has mystified people for decades with two simple questions. Who's your daddy and what does he do? <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I love that quote. Did you ever hear those old prank phone calls that were just the Arnold Schwarzenegger? Oh, yeah. The soundboard? <laughs> yeah. Who is your daddy and what does he do? Hi. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, hello. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> My mind is a neural network, a learning computer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you can... Do you, do you need help with your phone service? Hi. <laughs> Those are f***ing great. Um, <laughs> Who is your daddy and what does he do? So we'll be taking a look at the castle with uh, two different versions. The story that everyone loves to parrot, including some rather strange explanations of how things were constructed. And the story of the reality behind the who, how, and why. Wait, the one that everyone likes to parrot, that's not the real one? You might be surprised. Now, critical listeners will note the use of the word parroting, as opposed to repetition or recitation, so as to indicate the lack of of, uh, veracity of those statements. The more you know. The more you know sound. I'm getting weird. Starting to think that it has nothing nothing to do with the time of day or food deprivation (laughs) or drinking. Maybe I just keep... No, I'm totally normal, but shit happens and I have to get weird. Okay. (laughs) So we'll we'll also swing back around to some theories of Edward's philosophies and uh, scientific uh, beliefs and such. You're going to love that. You're going to like the way he thinks. I guarantee (laughs) You're going to love it, sweetheart. Oh, honey. All right. So here is the tale told most frequently. Oh, well. Nope, nope, nope. Save your butt hurt, Dave. Oh. Because we'll be revisiting many items of note later. Okay, bud. Nope, save that butt hurt, two-stroke. Yeah, the... It was determined through a forensic analysis of the remains of Lord Two Stroke. He actually suffered from a very serious butt heart obstruction. <laughs> Probably <laughs> contributed kinda... to his 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 death. It would be it would be more ironic if if Lord Two Stroke had two strokes that killed him. <laughs> yeah. All right, um, Dave, why don't you tell us uh, uh, who who this guy was and fair enough. What, fair enough. What's going on with his life? Our buddy Edvard was born on January 12th, 1887, although there are some sources that say August 10th. 
Truth be told, who the f*** Edvard's Liedskalnins was the fifth son of Andre's Liedskalnins. He lived on a farm and learned stonecrafting and masonry from his family and earned a fourth grade education before dropping out to study physics. <laughs> the story goes that when he was 26, he fell in love with a 16-year-old girl named Agnes Skvust, <laughs> which sounds like, like a name, like, like that's what you'd call someone you didn't like. Uh, and the two were to be married. Uh, the day before the wedding, however, she left him. Perhaps because he was older and poor, perhaps because of another man. But either way, Ed was out, heartbroken, and decided the only viable thing to do was to move to Flort, Canada. Canada was like, hey, those people seem super nice. <laughs> and no one seems to be apologizing to me here, so... Uh, he worked in lumber mills across Canada, down into California, and across to Texas before being diagnosed with tuberculosis. Lunger. Uh, seeking a climate to improve his condition, he ended up in Florida City, Florida in 1918, thinking it to be the capital, <laughs> uh, where he was apparently found on the roadside in a bad way by Mr. and Mrs. Reuben Moser. He purchased a plot of land from them for $12, and not long after, his TB cleared up which he accredited to magnets. Uh, he started working on a tribute to his, quote, sweet 16, something people assumed to mean, and he coyly hinted at his lost love, Agnes. How coy can you be? I, I don't know. Like, I feel like if we stopped going further right now and just did a whole episode about what I just went over, it would still be a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, he worked his way across Canada looped down into California, over to Texas, decided just to collapse on the side of a road until two people came by and said, oh my God, this man is dying. Offer him a land deal. <laughs> it's kind of Wolverine-esque. Yeah. Except that he was dying. Right. Uh, he wanted to build a castle for her to show his love for the day she might return to him. Fingers crossed. Uh, he mined that sweet, sweet Florida oolite limestone uh, that was in, in abundance just several inches beneath the topsoil and cut, sculpted, and placed it around his property. In 1923, he opened Ed's Place. Hey, guys. You, you guys want a uh, uh, phosphate or maybe a malted? <laughs> maybe some limestone? The small park of his limestone structures, which was a small, I guess, theme park? maybe just a park, uh, of his limestone structures and charged everybody 10 cents for a tour. That's two nickels, everybody. People began inquiring how Ed, a five-foot-tall, 120-pound sissy man, managed <laughs> to do all of this, especially since no, one, since no one saw him do any work on it. He was very private and secretive and was said to have done all of his building at night, and whenever anyone would try to sneak a peek, he would stop his work, wave to them, and just sit there until they left with a real smug-ass look on his tiny, weak face. <laughs> it's funny how much everybody's like, oh, this little 100-pound, 5-foot-tall man. And it's like, dude, that's like Wolverine. Yeah. That's, and this, guy, this guy's been working in the lumber industry across the country. That's true. He, he, he's sinewy. Yeah, but he was he's also a lunger that passed out on the side of the road though. So tough to tell. Yeah. He's your Huckleberry. Tough to tell. All right. He was famously quoted as saying, This is how he got famous right here. Yeah. 
I have discovered the secrets of the pyramids, end quote. I understand the laws of weights and leverage well. It is not difficult if you know how. Those two phrases made him famous. Yeah. Well, you know, the rocks, the, the, the gigantic rocks. They're the real MVPs. <laughs> Now, in 1936, he moved the whole shebang 10 miles away to Homestead, Florida. Though nobody's sure why. Could have been in- Secrets! encroaching development, um, like a subdivision getting built or like condos or something. Not, not condos, but like building. Well, back then, back then they were called can-dos. <laughs> yeah. Or, as some have speculated, he was searching for a better spot to harness the Earth's energy i.e. ley line or telluric energy. More on this later. More on everything later. <laughs> really, really backloading this episode. It took him just a couple years to move it all, and he did so by hiring a flatbed trailer attached to a friend's tractor. Dollar a day, maybe a dollar a haul. I don't know. Uh, the story goes that he'd have the owner drive the tractor up and then have him go away for the night or for short stints of time, and when the driver would return, the trailer would be filled with slabs of the limestone, and they'd cart it on over to Homestead. Now, the 1940s saw the expansion of his park, which he now called Rockgate Park. Dumb name. On account of his favorite achievement, a seven and a half foot tall, six to nine ton slab placed as a revolving door in one of the walls. It was supposedly so delicately balanced on its pivots that it was said to have moved at the touch of a finger. Touch. The feel of limestone. The fabric of southern Florida. Other sites in the park included a 40-foot-tall obelisk weighing 28 tons, a heart-shaped table with a live bush planted in the center, a moon fountain with a six-pointed star rising up in the middle, a sundial with markings that could be used to deduce the time of day and the season, another table carved into the shape of the state of Florida, a cube structure called the barbecue, several large rocking chairs, a small pit carved out of a big slab said to be a baby bed, a large pit called the bathtub, a well, just just a well. <laughs> yeah, just, hey, throw a hole in the ground. It's negative space art. Several planets, a sound-canceling room called Repentance Corner. What? A sun couch, which was a large oval slab that could rotate easily. And another monolith standing 25 feet tall and weighing 20 tons, which has a hole at the top with wire crosshairs, nicknamed the Telescope Stone. Dave, you're going to love this. Uh-huh. The whole castle was oriented to the cardinal directions, and the crosshairs of the telescope aligned with Polaris, the North Star. And the sundial could tell the season and time of day, as long as you looked at it between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. <laughs> I thought you were going to say the crosshair... Uh was pointed straight at John F. Kennedy. <laughs> too soon. Like, literally. Literally. Wait, 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 decades too too early. So, those are some of the features of this. We can, we can get back to this in a bit when we finish this uh, common story. <laughs> if you have any questions, comments, or concerns about the baby bed, the bathtub, or repentance corner. Sit on it. Feel free to, <laughs> feel free to write us an email. Ed lived in a two-story tower in one corner of the castle and would give tours to those who rang a bell outside twice. One ring, no tour, lazy bones. Tour yourself. Yeah. <laughs> the way I wrote that, though, it almost sounds like, you ring a bell, I'll give you two tours. <laughs> <laughs> 
And one more time, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and and when we say castle, it is it's like a little fort, basically. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I didn't write down the total dimensions of the place, but it's kind of a little rectangular structure, low walls. This kind of uh, square tower is in one of the corners, and you know it's a it's a proper turret. I, I would say. Yeah. You could see something like this at Foul Fortress. <laughs> Might be the last thing you see. <laughs> you know, if if you have the opportunity, it's worth just a quick Google image search. Oh yeah, I mean, like pull over and look at all the pictures of this. Like, it, yeah, that's that's one thing with such a a visual subject. We'll try to convey as best to you audially, <laughs> audibly, Aud- uh, audible audibletrial dot com slash player photos. Yeah. So during his life, he published five pamphlets. He called them books, but they were <laughs> but they were not. They were not. <laughs> Or he um, was a liar. One on moral education and political philosophy. The others on electricity and magnetism. Uh, and he advertised them for sale in the local newspaper. He continued working on the park until 1951 when he fell ill and placed a sign on the door which read, going to hospital. In some accounts, he, he tried to ride his bike up to Miami, which didn't go so well. So then he took a bus to Jackson Memorial Hospital in Pihami. Miami. At some point, uh, either going there or arriving there, he had a stroke. The doctor said he was malnourished and possibly had stomach cancer, and he died 28 days later of kidney failure, aged 64. Oh. The park was inherited by a nephew of his, Harry Leedskalnan, who apparently lived in Michigan at the time, and Harry sold it to one Julius Levin, a retired Chicago jeweler, who didn't even know the park was on the land. He wanted to build a gas station there. And then they were like, but wait, there's this uh, big rock thing. And he, and he loved it, and he turned it into uh, a tourist attraction. He renamed it Coral Castle and sold it in 1981 to Coral Castle Incorporated for $175,000. And then it was put on the National <laughs> Register of Historic Places in 1984. I think it's, uh, like if he had found that out, like, yeah, I'm just going to, you know, gas stations. People need it. Wait, what? <laughs> oh, come on. What? No, no, I don't, ah, uh. <laughs> fine. Wait, 10 cents a tour, eh? <laughs> okay, okay. I'll pray wrong. Two tours minimum, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Ringing the bell is, is a binding contract, eh? <laughs> <laughs> I, there, there are some accounts that say Ed upped that tour price to uh, an, a quarter. Two bits? Yep. Uh, when he moved it, but I don't, I don't know. The sign that said 10 cents a tour was, is still there. Just to remind everyone that they're getting the shaft. I'm guessing so. I, I don't know. I don't know where the 25 cent thing came in and if it is something you should believe or not. So anyways. Dose bits. That is the story as you will find it on a cursory search for this or maybe a, a cursory YouTubing. Mm-hmm. Just, just, just the most basic YouTubing. Let's tack on to it with also some of the cursory theories and also some of the more bat shit theories. <laughs> yeah, there's only one kind of shit that I like, and it's bat shit. Ew. Wait, no, damn it! Oh. I eat pieces of shit like you for breakfast. And uh, and let's talk about how he did all this. Darv. Yeah, fair enough. Let's start right off. Let me just 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 cool out. Because the theories abound. Tsukalo sound? Is such a thing even possible? 
Yes, it is. Okay, I was just messing with you. There's, there's the aliens don't show up, <laughs> or do they? Is such a thing even possible? No, they don't. But might they? Is such a th- no, they don't. Uh, the simplest explanation, Badoy, that he used pulleys, counterweights, tripods, and ropes. A little bit of elbow grease, good old Latvian know-how, and uh, some gumption. Yeah, L- really, just a just a liberal. La- slathering of gumption. It's uh, South Florida is flush with gumption. It is. It's re- that's one of the things that drew him to it. It <laughs> might be why he relocated. Is uh, a, a, a purer source of gumption, an underground river of gumption, <laughs> untouched, untapped. <laughs> the gumption aquifer. Cover <laughs> idiots. Uh, uh, a more mysterious explanation is attached to Ebb's obsession with magnetism, electricity, and energy manipulation. One surviving tool in his tower room is a magnetic flywheel that some say he called a perpetual, uh, perpetual motion machine. It's a hand crank mechanism used to store rotational energy. He outfitted it with 24 magnets on the outside, and some people think he used it, this to provide himself with unlimited energy, which he used to create reverse magnetism between the earth and the stones. Antigravity. At least to my ignorant mind. You know, I'm sure he'd take issue with that. <laughs> Um, levitating the stones into the places that he wanted. There's even a rumor that he met with old Nikki Tesla uh, in New York around 1912 when he first came to America, which he called Canada. He was confused. Um, in one of his pamphlets, he wrote, quote, individual magnetic particles are in constant motion. They're running one kind of magnets against another kind. And if guided in the right channels, they, pre- they possess perpetual power. He speculated that magnetism was the foundation of electricity, gravity, and all other forces and the basis of biological life with the magnetic force flowing through it. He called this magneticity. Well, that's, that's how he gets a, a patent. You call it magnetism. Everyone just stares at you. There was one story that tells of a group of kids who got a peek at him while he was working. They caught me working. <laughs> still love him, though. Still anti-gravity to him, though. <laughs> uh, and uh, and they said that he caused the blocks to move like hydrogen balloons. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Zeppelins had hydrogen, right? Um, what year is this? Oh man, nineteen thirty-six ish, nineteen thirties. Definitely um, Zeppelins in the zeitgeist. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Those are they exist. Some neighbors also reported that he would sing to his stones. And some people have taken that to mean that he developed high-frequency radio transmission to vibrate the rocks into place. He raised their vibrations, Dave. Yeah, well, that's all you got to do, right? A big deal has been made out of some photos taken of Ed with a big wooden tripod uh, that shows a block and tackle system, mostly because there was a small wooden box on top that no one knows the purpose of. And when when you can't figure out the purpose of it, the purpose of it is everything. Anti-gravity. Yep. Yep, it's a whatever-you-want-it-to-be box. A B-box. Some stories say he wandered the American West in search of the right spot, though it wasn't clear what that meant. Uh, and apparently, <laughs> yeah. he made use of dowsing or divining rods to find this spot, which ended up being in southern Florida. Oh. Something interesting to note, the water table in southern Florida is only about six feet below the surface, and a large underground water system is present in that area. Some have speculated that he sought this out to harness the conductivity of the water. 
add to that the fact that he wore iron-soled shoes and was said to have ridden a bike with no tires, man, you got a salad of conjecture just waiting to be gobbled up. Dude, I stop. We don't need to go any further. He was a Frankenstein's monster. <laughs> yeah. Why doesn't anybody talk about the bolts in his neck? <laughs> Ever. Damn it. Now, this kind of is a, is a good segue into the ley line theory and their uh, ignominious brethren, the vile vortices. In particular, the Bermuda Triangle, which has one of its points at Miami. Miami. And, uh, you know, no one knows anything about ley lines, and there's no way to learn more, um, which is too bad. I wish two handsome people would just sit down and, and do a podcast about ley lines, but, you know, Yet. someday, someday. Not going to happen. Maybe it'll get back on the archives. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I tried to look up some maps of ley lines. That's always fun. And, you know, it's just like we said in the episode, there there are ley lines, I guess, in the approximate area, but nothing. Uh, These are lines that other people have drawn in to say, yeah, this I is mean, connected like they, they to pass... Bill Beck and Go Beckway Tap. Right. They, I mean, I, I, don't, I haven't seen anything that talks about, like, you know, connections to other places. True. But also, like, some maps have, you know, globally maybe 20 lines. And some of them, it's just nothing but lines, Yeah, you know, so that eventually everything gets covered and then you can be right and say, ha ha, told you, idiots. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, that's, that's as far as I want to carry a torch for, for ley lines there. Some other theories that say he discovered how to use his pineal gland and connect spirituality to the stone and move them with his mind, Ooh, la, with his la. pineal gland, which uh, I think we've talked about doing uh, an episode about that before. So you might might hear more about that in the future. Yeah, I'm I'm interested in knowing more. You know what that's connected to? Fluoride. <laughs> Man, the calcification of it. It's how the government's controlling us. Yeah, keeping us down. All right, all right. That's. Have you heard any other uh, stuff that's a little extra? There, there, yeah, I mean, not I like it's all variations on what we've brought out. There was some other Tesla esque, uh, like electromagnetic manipulation things. I mean, like I said, it, nothing we haven't gone over in broad strokes, but just more like specificity of weirdness. Yeah. So uh, the only thing I did not find that I was very upset about is uh, no point did he uh, harness a tame dinosaur. Or use reptilians. I was upset by both those facts. Man. So let's, let's okay. We've, we've lined up all of our suspects. Now let's start interrogating them. Okay. Time to parsec this up with some fact behind the fiction. Now's the section where we talk all about space. Jab. All right, let's go back to his days in Latvia. Almost everything you've heard is a lie. Oh, shit. Or an untruth, or maybe an alternative fact. So as a boy, he learned carpentry from his family, maybe some stoneworking, uh, but it was definitely a family of carpenters who who built things like churches. He was the fifth son and all that, uh, but he ended up being somewhat of a troublemaker, which may be an understatement. He became involved in the Latvian Social Democratic Workers' Party, which was founded to revolt against Tsar Nicholas II, who was supported by the local baronies in Latvia. 
So Ed kicked up shit in Riga with his brother Ernest in 1905, acting as an anarchist as a revolution began there. Protests turned violent, barons were attacked, and Edward apparently shot cops and might have even set fire to a castle. Damn! Yeah. Cossacks were sent to quell the revolution, then dragoons, then what they called punishment corps. Uh, But the revolution continued for two more years, finally being quelled in 1907. It was said Edward always walked with a rifle hidden in his coat, you know, ready to bust a cap at any point. (laughs) Kind of dig that. After the revolution, the Russian leadership decided to suffer no Latvian revolutionary to live. So they sent forces to track down any survivors. And Edward, fearing for his life, fled. So that is why he left Latvia. But what about love, Dave? What about love? Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me, Lamars. No, wait, that's what is love. Shit. Oh, Vladislav. Vladislav. <laughs> oh, we just cracked the code. <laughs> So there was no Agnes scuffed or scuffs. I'm I'm disgusted. Disgusted. That is a wrong truth, Dave. What? Uh, it's uh. Do you mean alternative truth? That is a that is a non-fact. A yeah. Now 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 having said that, now we're on the band. That is a wrong right. There yeah. <laughs> there is evidence that he had an arranged marriage with a girl named Hermine Lucis. Sounds like a disease. <laughs> Lupus. But she was only a couple years younger than him, and they did not get married because apparently her family demanded 2,000 rubles as dowry, which is a crazy huge amount, and something Ed did not have. Did you see her hips, though? Such many strong children. (laughs) Such did not lie. She was worth every ruble. Sorry, you're too poor, Ed. So he got the F out of Latvian Dodge and had a stopover in London to maybe cause some trouble with the Latvian anarchist Peter the Painter before hopping a ship to Canada. (laughs) He came to the U.S. illegally in 1912 and then started his trip across the lumber camps of North America. He would later register, I think, for citizenship in Florida, but I don't know that I don't know that it ever went through or there was something about it to where he may have just been illegal the whole time. Although he did carve some numbers into a doorpost that were supposedly his registration numbers and, and such. Anyway. Mm, well, you know, I'm, I'm glad we were finally closing the door on the, the Latvian menace. Yeah. We're going to build that Latvian we'll, we'll, wall next. <laughs> yeah, we are. Make Latvians pay for it. Kristaps, you better, <laughs> better get that wallet out. Yeah. About the tuberculosis. Now I forget where I heard it. It it may it it's not a credible source, I would say, but I did hear somewhere in the research that an autopsy was done on his body in the hospital after he died, and the doctors found no evidence of tuberculosis in his lungs. And to add to that, his movement cr- across the country would make no sense if he had tuberculosis as well because he was in the old hot and dry Texas uh, which would be a much better climate than the old hot, humid Florida. Yeah, now that occurred to me as well. I mean, that's why, I mean, famously, Glenwood Springs, Colorado has zero humidity, which is why there was a gigantic tuberculosis hospital. That's where Doc Holliday died. Yeah. Um, and it's 
because of the lack of immunity. I, that, that kind of like went through my head briefly. I was like, why would being in Florida make that better? Yeah. Why would being in Florida make anything better? <laughs> uh, plus, the whole spontaneous cure by magnets that he supposedly claimed is a little weird, would you say? Yes, yes. The spontaneous magnet cure does strike me as a touch odd. Yeah, so tuberculosis. I, I'm not convinced that he had it. No, who knows? I mean, and there could be it could be any number of respiratory infections that were just that he had for a long time, but and then again, he maybe he did have it, and you know he just got some bad info, you know, oh, you shouldn't be here in Texas, go on down to Florida, they's hot and humid. <laughs> what if he got uh a hold of some colloidal silver could have some some family who loved their children were like, "Hey, brother, you're a part of the resistance. <laughs> drink this." For, for for complete disclosure, I know I'm talking a lot of shit about Florida, and um, I spent a lot of time down there. My dad used to live there. I didn't enjoy it. Oh, so there. What part? I, I'm just I I'm I'm uh, West Palm Beach. Oh, really? Yeah. Weird. Like, yeah. I mean, I just I I I did not like it there. I've been to West Palm Beach. Have you eaten at Havana? How about the Rhythm I mean, Cafe? Uh, when last time I was like spending time there honestly actually the the last big chunk of time i spent was the as i don't know why this keeps coming up my summer of unemployment um i was in florida for like two months just loitering around the house and i i weirdly it's right after i graduated high school and i hung out next to a pool i ate croissants and i drank arizona iced tea for two months Weirdly enough, I'm a fat guy. I don't know how it happens. I don't get it. <laughs> and there, there are things about Florida that I like. I really enjoy surf shops. I think those are cool. Uh, I've mentioned that I like Disney World, but I just what I feel is like we're going to get some listener mail or people and be like, we, "I'm from Florida. You should come check it out." I have. If, yeah, I've spent yeah. a lot of time there. I've driven the entire state. Uh, didn't like that either. I told you I lived a year there. I was, I was, I turned four, so it's not like yeah. there was a huge impression left on me, but, uh, um, <laughs> pretty great party. Don't even remember it. I know for a fact we've got listeners in Florida. I mean, duh. I think listener Angie, who set up that Tumblr for us, lives down there. See, that's the best part of Florida, Angie. But, uh, anyway, now that we're getting back on the highway, uh, <laughs> yeah, let's get the f out of there. Back on the old Dixie Highway. What about the girl? Yeah, so here's the thing. So since Agnes Skvust didn't exist, uh, that means there was no Sweet 16. So what the fuck was this guy on about? Uh, was it just a ploy to attract tourists, or was there something more to it? Maybe a hidden meaning. Turns out he was just really obsessed with the number 16. 16 stairs going up to the tower, 16 symmetrically placed bevels placed on the inside of the lip of his 23-ton fountain, 16 rays of light extending from a sun drawing etched on a metal door, it's possible they had something in his, uh, something in mind for Sweet Sixteen, uh, but whatever that is, he wasn't. He'll never tell. Yeah, he just. I mean, and and this kind of makes sense to me. If you are a stonemason of sorts, you know, sixteen's an easy number to get to. Yeah, you divide something in half or squared. Yeah, exactly. You know. We, uh, easy divisions and, and uh, radial lines and things like that. It's easy to get to 16 if you're if you're working with stuff. And sure, it's a nice round number. Lots of people like it. 
that reminds me of something I think I did leave off here. Um, some people have said he was a Freemason, and this these six-pointed stars play into symbolism. I'm sure he was a Freemason with a pretty serious agenda and was sent to the United States to forward their dark and nebulous goals in conjunction with the New World Order whilst the entire time uh, giving a neck rub to the Illuminati. Um, and it will not be soon, maybe hundreds of years in the future, that we'll realize that a Homestead, Florida tourist trap was the opening move in a long chess-like gambit for control of the planet Earth. Yes, well played. Or, or it would have been, but that stomach cancer got him. <laughs> You're right. Not even the Freemasons can beat stomach cancer. Like, I, here's the thing. If, if, I, if it was determined that a guy was like uh, uh, Winston Churchill's secret advisor... And no one ever knew this guy's name, but he was always in meetings. And, and after the war, he just sort of disappeared. And, and then they found out, oh, this guy was really on the inside track, and he knew everything about everything. He opened a store. He sold teacups for the rest of his life and never spoke to anyone. Then that man doesn't matter. <laughs> like, yeah. whatever secret society was a part of, it, clearly he was not pushing an agenda. To what end? Yeah. Uh, carry on. I that, that oh, just yeah. popped into my head when so, you said Mason. Yeah. So also to add to that, he apparently stopped talking about Sweet Sixteen when he when he relocated to Homestead from Florida City, which he thought was the capital. I know I keep saying that because I think it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, the thought was that it was a castle built for a girl who might one day show up and have a family with him is just plain bupkiss ass wrong, and more than a little creepy. Yeah. Um, the structures weren't bathtubs and baby beds and couches and barbecues and such. Praveen Mohan posits some interesting theories about what they could have been in his book. Because I know you're wondering who the f*** is Praveen Mohan, right? Coral Castle, everything you know is wrong. He thinks many of them were structures for Ed's experiments with magnetism and electricity. For example, the, quote, barbecue was four large pillars with a slab on top and bottom and a car differential hanging from chains inside. Now I have to look at it. Why is it called the barbecue? <laughs> it looks like shit art is what it looks like to me, but that's just because I'm judgmental. But more mental than judge, right? <laughs> anyway, uh, under the differential, which uh, a differential, it's the part of an axle in the middle that... that um, the bulbous part on a car axle, that's the differential. So that's, think, imagine that. That's where stuff, does stuff rotate in there? Yeah, it's, um, it, it, it ensures that, so when a car makes a turn, say to the right, the wheel on the right is actually traveling less, less distance than yeah. the wheel on the left, which is why you can't have like a wagon wheel with, or, or I mean, that's why the, the wheels can't be locked on a single axis because they wouldn't turn as well. So you have a differential in the center to kind of accommodate the, Nice. The differential turning. Uh, under the differential was a hole in metal grate, and there was an apparently a metal pipe. Uh, there was apparently a metal pipe leading from the hole to the side of the structure. Mohan thinks it's actually a forge. Okay. Yeah. So with the, the differential suspended, uh, the differential is kind of like, think of a, I, I would say think of like an egg that's split in, in twain. And you can open it up. It's got a, a kind of a 
football-sized cavity that you can put something in, close it up, and apparently it seals airtight. This is, this is what this guy's saying, anyway. Um, it's hang, you know, chains are, are hanging it from the, the ceiling of this little cube, and then underneath it, there's kind of a pit, and there's like a grate on it, and he's saying that, I guess, um, Ed could put stuff down in that hole under the grate, and then this, the metal tube that runs to the outside of the structure, you could put a bellows on. And right, you could feed air to it. Right. So that would mean that the differential was be technically be a crucible then. At that point, yes. But, you know, he got all of his stuff from, from junkyards. And if that's, if that's how he used it, it's pretty ingenious. I mean, hey, pretty cool. Right. But in order to achieve that kind of temperature, he would have to have charcoal in there which would blacken the bejesus out of that porous stone. Could, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure there are tons of holes you can shoot in this. I think, personally, it's a lot more interesting than what the tour guides say or or what a lot of uh, websites say, that he stuck hot dogs in the differential and cooked them. (laughs) (laughs) I, no, uh, Flora, respectfully disagree. <laughs> I I am far more in love with the hot dog story. Here's my hot dog cooker. <laughs> what what what, what <laughs> that's how a madman cooks a hot dog. <laughs> that is the best part. I didn't read that anywhere. Oh, that's great. I mean they're 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 both sort of on opposite ends of of probably the explanation spectrum, but yeah. uh, Mohan also points out that he had a working stove in his living quarters, apparently. So why would he need car part uh, jerry yeah. rig kind of but I'll tell you what, if he's if he's cooking if he's cooking hot dogs <laughs> in a car differential on a homemade induction forge, then there's like eight reasons why we would like Stomach cancer, no longer mysterious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, yep. that, is a, that is a mystery that solved itself quickly. <laughs> well, he found that the, the, the heat was too great and they were, they were getting hot too fast. So what he would do is submerge them in mercury and then boil them in that. Oh, jeez. Um, <laughs> I did not think we'd have that much fun with the barbecue. Oh yeah, let's move on awesome. to the yeah, bathtub and, and keep and, going because he yeah. Let's put see some what more else Lego is in pieces there. on this <laughs> Franken house. Uh, how about Ed's bathtub? Again, according to our our ya boy Praveen, um, was actually a cooling pool for the metal tools he forged, and is located right next to the well he had dug. Uh, he is said to have experimented with making batteries using different acids. And one small sculpture, a pool resembling a big soap dish, is called, quote, Ed's Mirror. He thinks it was actually for these acid experiments. Indeed, it is coated in a lime mortar that has ground graphite coating on, on the bottom. Additionally, old photos show Ed in his workshop with the flywheel, and there are chains wrapped around metal poles with wires running from the poles out of the room. There are also bottles with wires tightly wrapped around them. Could Ed have been generating his own electricity? Maybe. Could Ed have been generating his own rumors about his mental instability? Almost certainly. Could Ed have gotten stomach cancer from cooking in the car difference? 
Yeah, from inhaling acid all the time <laughs> from his many experiments. Uh, given his writings, it seems, yeah, maybe. Uh, the repentance corner is not a medieval stocks-like punishment place for a future family members. It may have been a soundproof chamber to test high-frequency devices. I think I'll, sure. I'll, I think again, opposite ends of the explanation spectrum on that one. I would I would he, venture to yeah. guess. Uh, in a bit of a stretch because that, that hasn't happened yet, but not too unbelievable. Mohan matches many sculptures with constellations: the sun and the moon in its phases. It's a stretch because the comparisons are a little thin, uh, like the 40-foot obelisk representing Taurus or a triangular slab representing Capricorn and the, and the repentance corner representing Gemini. Yeah. Uh, there are literal sculptures of Saturn, Mars, Venus, and Mercury, plus the, fount- from, plus the moon fountain and the sun couch. I'd call it a sun sofa. That's just me. Uh, the obelisk apparently had metal, quote, horns at the top, which he used as a radio tower for his hand-built radio, which the FBI actually came to see him about once. So there yeah. you go. Hey, buddy. Um, got some uh, golden oldies coming through on our Air Force yeah. base over here. Yeah. You're, you're, you're f***ing with our shway, brah. I think that was a, um, actually the, the reason was around World War II. People were like, you a German spy? Because you have to tell us if you're a German spy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's like, no, 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 Latvian. We're we're with your Soviet allies. Oh, carry on then. Hey, by the way, can I have a hot dog? <laughs> Got any more of them car axle hot dogs? <laughs> dog forentials? Dog forentials. There you go. You've had it. You've had it. <laughs> uh, the telescope actually shows Polaris in its four quadrants, one for each season. There are some very cool points raised in the book, uh, along with some pretty far out there ones. But he also mentions that the management at the park has gotten rid of or moved some pieces here and there over the years. So, you know, you don't know what else he could have placed with with, uh, intention that got messed with over time. Yeah. I'll tell you what, in broad strokes, overall, I like the idea that this guy with no formal training but knew uh, Stonecraft was like, well... F it. I got all this this uh, land out in the middle of nowhere. Why why not just build whatever I need out of stone and do my own goofy-ass experiments? I don't doubt for a second that he was messing around with stuff. Sure. I do doubt for several seconds that might amount to my total lifetime that he ever got anywhere with it. But, you know, that's just me being a dick. Yeah, yeah. It's one of those books that sounds pretty sane and cool on the surface, and then you'll read a passage just kind of like, Oh, wait, what? Uh, <laughs> huh? But I do like how the guy points out the symbolism and the astronomy in there. And I, I think you can infer from Ed's writings his interest in that sort of stuff. Now, and everybody likes to point out, keep in mind, he, he is said to have had a fourth grade education. So, you know, right. he learned his shit on the streets. Anyways, um, some people are just certain that pulleys and simple leverage was how he did it. And maybe so. You can check out a fellow by the name of Wally Wallington on YouTube to see a demonstration of how huge blocks can be moved by a one little old man. By Wally Wallington from Walla Walla, Washington. <laughs> Ed's time in the lumber industry and learning carpentry may have taught him a thing or three. That stands to reason. Yep. 
Um, one thing to consider, those tripods in his pictures would probably need to be rebuilt each time a, a block was moved, wouldn't you think? Torn down, rebuilt, set up. Yeah, yep. It seems... Not not, not like they're destroyed, but you they're not mobile, so you have to keep... Yeah, maybe he had a couple. I don't know. But... Yeah, and, and also... By his own admission, out of his own mouth, was like, "Yeah, I know how about I know how leverage works." Yeah, that's true. Of course, there's a lot of things he said. So, <laughs> yeah, that's true. I guess, I guess, I can't really cherry pick it. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually got some quotes coming up from his literature. He also said that there was a topless teenager that was really into him. Lived on egg creams <laughs> in the Shanana house. I don't know the the tripod. It seems inefficient. And unlikely that he'd just do that by himself, setting up and tearing down tripods just to move. I, I, I mean, he had a lot of time. He had years, though. So Yeah, well, I mean, what else is he going to do? I guess it, it's not that far out there. But how, how thick would ropes and chains have to be to support that kind of weight? Um, well, there's not necessarily the thickness of it, but like with a block and tackle, not as, not as big as you would think. I mean, imagine the weight that it takes to, to pull a rope apart just laterally. And it, it's not like it, you can't get heavy duty ropes or anything like that or chains for that matter. Yeah. Yeah. You could, you can move pretty heavy things. I mean, how are people moving every, you know, everything else that was getting done. And, and again, in the lumber industry, that's what they're doing is they're, they're moving these giant heavy trees yeah. and, and, and using rigging and things like that. I think it follows a pretty direct track of, of, where he would learn how to do those kinds of things and, and adapt, uh, you know, cause some of those, some of those trees weigh over a ton. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like it, it just adapt that for several tons. Yeah. And yeah. it's, I th- you know, the principle doesn't change just the weights involved. One thing that's that people have thrown out there is that the blocks apparently show no signs of cut marks, even though I guess the oolite limestone could be cut with a handsaw. Because it was yeah. so soft, or or a cutting chain, or something. I, I don't. It's hard to know this one without being a geologist, or or kind of you know working with that kind of stone and stuff, and how it looks and how it should look, and maybe who's to say he didn't carve away the the cut marks, you know? Yep. And um, you know, he started this process a hundred years ago now. Yeah, Al- almost. It. And limestone is extraordinarily. Uh, susceptible to weathering weather yeah weathering rain erosion even the slightest uh, acid tinge terrain will smooth that out Mm. and remove that so it's a lot of lot of reasons why it doesn't have to show yeah yeah you know or or it doesn't have to show what you would expect to be a cut mark Um, could be covered in them and you don't know right and that's yeah that's what i was saying like haven't spent my time around too many blocks of limestone. Yeah. Uh, fun fact, Hurricane Andrew that ripped through Florida just laid a, a huge fart on this place. And, <laughs> and, you know, that old term. <laughs> and apparently nothing moved. Like everything wow. was just same spot Come it's always me, bro. been. One thought for why he moved it all was that he was running from his past. That's That's been thrown out there. You know, if, if he's got a kind of a shady anarchist past maybe he's running but uh my question then would be why would he only move it 10 miles away <laughs> yeah, that's and not like to bolivia or something yeah exactly i i don't think that he threw anyone off his trail yeah 
seems a little suspect. I, I think the uh, the common explanation for it, or the the most sensical, is that he moved it for tourism to be closer to yeah. more people. Yep. Once he saw what like way the way it was shaping up. Yeah. One last thought here: Could his books be tourist draws to continue the mystery of how he did it, or is there a secret encoded therein? A lot of people have said he has left some answers to this Sweet Sixteen and. Uh, the mysteries of the universe and stuff that he discovered with the magnetism and, and electricity buried in his, let's call it writings. I didn't get a chance to to look at, suss through this because, you know, <laughs> we want to actually put an episode out. <laughs> so, so Dave, how about you give us some highlights from his books, though? Oh, I would love to. Because <laughs> okay. I've picked out some yeah. some pretty pretty choice quotes. Straight from the Edvard's mouth. Uh, yeah, you know, there, there is almost certainly a secret hidden code <laughs> in this. Reader, if for any reason you do not like the things I say in the little book, I left just as much space as I used. You can write your own opinions opposite it and see if you can do better. <laughs> uh, also, this little gem. The schools and the churches are cheapening the girls. <laughs> They are arranging picnics, coupling up the girls with the fresh boys. And then they send them out to the woods, parks, beaches, and other places so they can practice in first-degree lovemaking. Well, that's that's stupid. The picnics are third-degree at best. You, you build up. A first-degree lovemaking starts at an expensive restaurant. Everyone knows this. You're not going to get to the first degree with a picnic. God damn it, Edward. Pay attention. <laughs> I've got a green belt and smooches. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'm a first degree brown belt in uh, just over the clothing stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, here's another sweet ass uh, <laughs> hot cut from the book. Quote, in case a girl's mama thinks that there is a boy somewhere who needs experience then she herself could pose as an experimental station for that fresh boy, keeps using that phrase I don't care for, fresh boy, to practice on and so save the girl. Nothing can hurt her anymore. She has already gone through all the experience that can be gone through, and so in her case, it would be all right. What? He likes the term fresh boy, fresh girl. This guy is writing, like, thank God there was no internet for this guy. Because this guy is writing lengthy posts into weird chat rooms. I promise. Yeah. Oh, here we go. 120 pound, five foot Edward hits us with this quote. It is not sound to allow the weaklings to vote. Anyone who is too weak to make his own living is not strong enough to vote because their weak influence weakens the state. Each week. Yeah. He's not looking. He doesn't want handouts. He wants hand-ups from the side of the road and then maybe a, a quick land deal. That's right. Oh, uh, and, and finally, Flora, why don't you bring us home on, on these great Ed quotes? You know we receive an education in the schools from books. All those books that people became educated from 25 years ago are wrong now. And those that are good now will be wrong again 25 years from now. So if they are wrong then, they are also wrong now. And the one who is educated from the wrong books is not educated. He is misled. All books that are written are wrong. 
The one who is not educated cannot write a book, and the one who is educated is really not educated, but he is misled, and the one who is misled cannot write a book which is correct. That's a pretty good point, if you think about it. It's not a good point whatsoever. No, I think... This is a guy with a fourth grade education with an axe to grind against people who he sees as better educated than himself. Because while things do change, every book is not wrong 25 years later. Yeah, I, I agree with that. But the, the sentiment of it, like, I've been misled in a lot of stuff that I uh, have been taught. Well, listen, I apologize to you for that a lot, okay? I thought it was a funny joke at the time. But. I'm going to bring it up every chance I get, so get used to it. No, I, I, there are parts of that I, I agree with. Let's just say that. And I, I, see, I see where you're coming from, too. Yeah, not everything's wrong, but... There's, like a, there's a real, like, why bother to that that I don't care for. Then, uh, like a nihilism? Yeah. Sure. Um, and it's, and, and it's, it's also a, um, hey, fancy man. Uh, you think you're so fucking great with your education? Well, guess what? It's worthless, and I and I'll tell you why. You know, ironically, I think because I'm such a pessimist, I take from that: be careful what you learn, or like really be critical and know that what you know what's being taught may not be correct, so that you know maybe you do your own work to find out. I I don't know. I I kind of take a more positive spin on it. Well, see, now, which I actually, what you just said, I wouldn't disagree with. That you do have to be critical about what you read and what you see. But that's not what he's saying at all. He's saying that one who is, uh, that no one is educated. And if you're not educated, you can't write a book. And if you say you're educated, guess what? You're actually not educated. So you shouldn't have written a book in the first place. Like, I see, he, I see uh, what you're saying. He, yeah. he lays out a, a, a linear train of thought that just kind of goes back on itself in the loop. And I think what you said is entirely correct. People should absolutely be very discerning about what they read, especially these days with the shits and the alternative whatevers. And mm. you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, no, I, I, I think, I think that he was, I think he was taking a much harder position on that. But then again, this is a guy who's been cutting rocks out of the ground and, and, and setting up his own experimental wonderland. So he's at least very internally consistent. Yeah. Well, and I'm, and I'm wondering if, if he's actually like, what goal is he getting at with that statement? Is it that you need to live in the world and, and work hard and do stuff yourself to, to find out what's right and wrong and what there is and, and not trust any education that, that is not self-taught, you know? Like, is, is yeah. that what he's going for? I don't know. Cause, it, cause that's kind of what he seemed to do. He experimented yeah. with stuff. And yeah. I would, yeah, you're right. The context of that quote would be really important. Yeah. And I, that's the problem with the pulling fun quotes, <laughs> right? Here's the good news. Uh, you don't need to worry about the context of the first degree lovemaking, <laughs> nor the, uh, fresh boy. Yeah. Milf mom, scenario. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Holy weird. Yeah, well, a couple more points. He he was not secretive, as the stories say. Um, I guess he had friends. He liked to go to the movies. He had cookouts for folks, you know. No one ever went to those twice. <laughs> <laughs> Rash of stomach cancer hits Homestead, Florida. <laughs> uh, maybe he didn't do a lot of work during the day because of the heat. Yeah. You know? Mm. It's hot down there. One, one friend of his, Orville Irwin, 
claimed that uh, he knew how Ed did it. He did it through hard fucking work. Get on his level, bitches. Yeah. You want to you wanna move a rock? Guess what? You're going to sweat, son. Yeah. You're going to sweat. Do, doing it all with weights and leverage uh, by the sweat of his brow. If Ed used crazy energy harvesting or some other unknown technique, well, it might have taken him a lot less time to get things set up than two years to move a whole castle 10 miles down the road. Right. You know, I, I can't fault him for taking a long time to build the thing, you know, from the 20s to the to 51 or whatever, because... Mm-hmm. He just kept continually adding to it, so that's not really. There's no end game there. You can't put a yeah. put a like. Well, why didn't it take him less time? But you know, there is the whole moving down the road bit. If he could just levitate it all, then do it in a month, right? <laughs> I don't know. And then, of course, Billy Idol based a, his song "Sweet 16 on Coral Castle. Apparently, huh? That's weird. <laughs> Where'd it go, Billy? To throw that in there. Uh, what do you think? Uh, I think that he was just a guy that was that had planned on just going out in the middle of nowhere and doing what he did. And then when people started noticing was like, Oh, maybe this can pay the bills. Maybe, you know, just kind of found an outlet, whether it be uh, artistic or scientific or somewhere between the two, you know, he was like, well, I'm just going to keep doing my thing out here. And I'm sure he was messing around with stuff and experimenting. And, um, but I don't think that there's any, I think that you, you can track the skills he had when he left Latvia the additional skills he could pick up in his lumberjacking days. You know, I, I think it all makes sense that, yeah, at the end of this, there would be a guy who, who knew how to move big blocks of stone and do whatever he want with them. And yeah, guess what? He also lived in the middle of nowhere, uh, South Florida, and was kind of a traveling loner. So, yeah, he had some real weird ideas about sex, too. And uh, <laughs> yeah, He had some be, opinions. Yeah, he'd be happy to give you the book. He'll sell you a couple of books about it. Sure. That all makes sense to me, too. Um, like I said, I lean more towards what uh, Praveen Mohan said in his book in terms of he wasn't building this for a, a lost love interest. The, these probably served purposes or were, you know, sculptures of uh, ast- astronomical or uh, uh, figures. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, something that didn't come up here, too, is that he's working in, in such big scale and there's no like there's no lot in out back of like half finished sculptures and stuff. Some of these things could simply have been a proof of concept. Like, Oh, I wonder if I could do this without, you know, so it's more about the technique than the, um, than the, the finished product could be. Yeah. And then, you know, these things are so big. It's like, oh, I just left it there. You know, it didn't look terrible. People like looking at it. See, yeah. I wanted to see if I could get this to work just this way, you know, and, and any artist uh, does, does, you know, sketches and, and things like that. And, you know, this guy just went straight to the, to the hard paint every time. So maybe, maybe some of these things, it's hard to determine their purpose or what he was going after because it's, it, he was, pro, you know, he was testing a concept in his head of, can I, can I use the technique? Can I, can I do this? And then when it's done, like, oh, okay, moving on. More about the journey for him. Yeah. What do you think of his past, his supposed anarchist past? Honestly, I mean, it's just as likely as not to be true, but I think it's irrelevant regardless. Besides his very poignant opinions on morals and education. <laughs> and, and the center of that Venn diagram. <laughs> he didn't seem like an uh, anarchist in Southern Florida, but then again, how many anarchists do I know? 
Well, I, yeah, I mean, I, they don't, there doesn't seem to be any political philosophy espoused by it. I don't know what's in all of his books, but as far as like the walls of his, his tourist trap where, you know, his, his biggest pulpit doesn't seem to be much there. And, and maybe, maybe he did really get into some shit yeah. back in Latvia and was and like, I don't kept I'm a, out. Yeah. He kept yeah. a low profile for that. Yeah. So, I mean, I, you know, it could be so could be not, but I think as far as the, the location of the coral castle itself, I think it's irrelevant. Mm. I don't feel like that ever pops in there. Yeah. Well, uh, friends and lovers, that is going to do it for our take on coral castle. Yeah. In a megalithic oolite <laughs> limestone anti-gravity nutshell. You know, the only, the only thing harder to lift than a giant limestone obelisk is buns, because they're heavy. <laughs> Laura, you want to kick it off? You want me to kick it off? You decide. You're in charge. You were the captain of this little tugboat. You, you go then. Okay, okay. So Edvard, uh, at his first location in Florida City, his first big uh, work was a gigantic slab of limestone, 30 feet tall. It was enormous, carefully carved, and it was into the, the, the shape and visage, very beautifully done, of a gigantic homeless man. He had a, a bindle over his shoulder, <laughs> and uh, you could see, even from the ground, 30 feet up, the 5 o'clock shadow and the rumpled hat, and it was known as the Florida City Hobolisk. <laughs> and hobos have been coming up too much lately. I love hobos. That means we're going to become them soon. Yeah. Yeah, we are. You know, uh, we talk about this guy, and, and he really made an astonishing monument. But as we've seen, his philosophical views made him a, a bit of a moral asshole. Oh, I get it. <laughs> he is a moral asshole. <laughs> that was a really... That was... A paper-thin blade. Yeah. I don't even know that my heart just got cut. I'm just going to collapse and wonder why. <laughs> Smiling. Yeah. <I'm, laughs> that was awesome. I made it in a car differential. <laughs> Forged it. Forged. Despite his, his extensive traveling in the United States, uh, Edward actually kept to himself most of the time. And his English was not very good. It did not improve until he had been in Florida for some time. And so owing to a simple misunderstanding... The first time he had people for a, a cookout and offered them a hot dodge. <laughs> Tastes a little Mustangy. <laughs> That's really good. Can I get some ketchup on the hot dog? <laughs> oh, let's keep going. <laughs> <laughs> he made it of his own accord. Jesus. Okay. <laughs> now it's your turn. No, you know what? It's not your turn. You just did like four. You're done. You're done. You're done. Get out. Go on. You Get out of here. You're out. Right there. He told one woman she could have a hot dog, but he'd have to charge her. Okay. Uh, so. <laughs> so. Listener mail. I've said it. I just closed it. You can't go back now. I didn't want to take it away from you, but you forced my hand. <laughs> I'm just tacking stuff on. Just tacking it on. <laughs> it's an AA gun of puns on that one. All right. So there was a place in Southern Florida where all the uh, the varsity football fresh 
guys used to take the uh, the freshest, their best, their best gals. They're fresh too. They're they're fresh, but they'd be soiled after after going to this place because all these uh, all these these football these sports dudes would take them there to get fresh. It was Jock Date Park, not Rock Gate Park. Jock Date. Jock date part. <laughs> yeah. Let's go back to the car pun. <laughs> Them's is the puns. I got to be honest with you. I'm going to be thinking of car puns the rest of the time. Yes, I know you are. And I expect to hear them. I expect to. Don't disappoint me, Flora. <laughs> That's it. There was no thing that follows that. Oh, except for listener mail. <laughs> <laughs> I already did it that way once. I'm sticking with it. It gets us there. Yeah. Uh, let's see what we got here in the annals of listed mail. Uh, first off, we got one from the archaeologist. Flora. Geist or Kingeist. Kingeist. <laughs> All right. The archaeologist writes, hey, Dave and David. Hey. Hey. Uh, just finished listening to your Yonaguni monument and Pliny the Elder episodes. Was really excited to see the Pliny episode since he does have a tendency of popping up in almost everything. He really does. Yeah. He is. Uh, well, he's. He wrote books on tenacious. everything. Yeah. He's all over the place. Uh, thought I might just give you a bit more context to the culture around Japan and Taiwan around the 10,000 year mark of the Yonaguni. The Jomon were the earliest people we know of to have entered the area that is now the Japanese islands and did so around 16,000 years ago. It's not surprising that stone tools would show up around Yonaguni as the Jomon inhabited the area before it was submerged and would have and would continue to inhabit the coasts of the area for thousands of years afterwards. Although it is important to stress that as hunter-gatherers, it is not likely at all that the Jomon would be carving a massive stone structure. If you really want to look into a mysterious land formation off the coast of China as a puzzling sandstone formation that some have claimed resembles a dog practicing martial arts, <laughs> it is known as the Hong Kong Fui Monument. <laughs> Number, Number one, one super guy. guy. Hong Kong Fui is quicker than a human eye. Yeah. Uh, as always, thank you for the great show. Archaeologist. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for the info. We have heard from the girl with the Fraggle Rock tattoo. I heard she's really good with computers. Probably. Uh, love the show we'll be eter- and we'll be eternally grateful to my friend Emerson for turning me into it. Yeah, that Emerson, Dave. That's right, Emerson. High five. Uh, La Llorona has been my favorite so far. Really think you should go. just go ahead and do it as Zoroastrianism episode. <laughs> Quit teasing. Just do. Well, go on, smartass, and do it. Uh, Emerson and I discussed uh, Yahoo Answers on the Demonology episode. We think that should be a recurring segment. I feel like it was going to be, and well, then we just forget. It was it's like, yeah, me. it was, it was, it was a my... special guest for a long time and needs to, needs to come back. There's uh, some great suggestions uh, and, and more compliments. Well, hey, thank you. Um, yeah. P.S. My, my real name is Katie, but I really do have a Fraggle Rock tattoo. I didn't doubt it. Is it a doozer? That's what I was going to ask. I thought it'd be a doozer. Or Wembley? Uh, no, it's the it's the all seeing trash heap. Oh, yeah, yeah, the, the trash heap. Yeah. That's funny. Well, thank you, girl with a frame rack tattoo. I'll just call her Katie. Thank you. Got an email from Judicata Jenkins, who also might be a number one super guy. <laughs> That's in my head. I can't. That'll be in there all day. Uh, hey guys. Uh, so I'm really sorry to do this to you, but I'm going to need you to immediately cease and desist <laughs> using the phrase. 
Devil Baby. You want us to stop podcast. saying Devil Baby? I think uh I think specifically she means when we say Devil Baby. Oh, not when we say Devil Baby. But yep. Devil yeah. Baby. Because my husband keeps saying <laughs> Devil Baby, repeating it, and it is disrupting my marital harmony. <laughs> For now, he's limited to the use of one devil baby daily. But I got to tell you, I'm seriously considering an all-out ban. I wouldn't blame you for that whatsoever. I live with me and I get bothered by the shit I do. Uh, We've been married for nine years as of this Halloween. Badass. And I implore you, don't make me go out into the dating world again. I've seen the other options and they are not pretty. Affectionately yours, Judicata Jenkins. I, uh, yeah, I get it. I get it. What was it? There was something, uh, like, I, I mean, I make me crazy. And what was it? Florida, we were recording a couple of days ago. I get, I get irrationally angry. At oh, cause I was, swing- I was singing. Yeah. There was, there but was, I was, I was like, it was like high pitched falsetto singing. Yeah. And it was like, I forget what you were saying, but it was something like that's bullshit or something like that. Cause I was getting really <laughs> mad about like, uh, we were having a problem with like a Google doc and I was trying oh, to get yeah. it sorted out. It was frustrating me <laughs> and that shit gets me so hot. And Flora kept going, that's bullshit. That's bullshit. <laughs> and finally I was like, you gotta stop. You gotta stop right now. And, and Flora was like, Oh God. Oh yeah. Oh, hey, Hey, Hey. He was like a celery <laughs> stick of anger. <laughs> Audible crack. Yeah, I did. I just snapped. And I was like, it's not your fault. I'm not mad at you. It's this damn computer thing. And the thing is, I didn't get mad back at him because I was doing, it's bullshit. It's bullshit. And I understood that that was fucking annoying. So I was yeah, just like, so, okay, buddy. Little warning next so, time. but Yeah. Sorry about your marriage. Just know that we uh, we do, we it do ourselves as much damage as we do to anyone else. Tell him to tell him to uh, go to Lori Photos Threadless store and and buy the yeah. shirt, buy himself a shirt, and just point at it. Yeah, he just points at it real hard, just, and then he gets point. a little bruise in the same spot in his chest. Mm, mm, mm. Thanks, Lady Jenkins. Thank you. Heard from Connor the Wordsmith. Well, well, well. He's catching up. A little backlogged, but. Got a completely useless superpower. Awesome. Invisibility. If your eyes are invisible, they cannot reflect light, rendering you completely blind. Isn't that just isn't that just a fact? <laughs> if you were invisible? I think that's I think that's yeah, what makes right. it a no, useless, a useless superpower. Su- yeah, you're right. Useless superpower is invisibility. Yeah, I get what he's saying. Hilarious. I get it now. I didn't get it at first. You know, uh uh Kim and I <laughs> sat on the sofa last night. Because we just there was nothing on TV, and we just hung out for like half an hour, coming up with useless superpowers. Wow! One of them, like just superpowers that that would just be the worst. Like every time you sneeze, you short out every piece of electronics within ten feet. <laughs> yeah. Um, I said fingers for toes. Kim came back with toes for fingers. Yeah. And it went on from there. <laughs> yeah, I and I I, I think because I know we mentioned this a long time ago, but uh. I can't remember if we ever said this on the podcast or not, but um, uh, laser vision where you just have like laser pointers coming out of your eyes. So everyone (laughs) can always see exactly where you're looking. Yeah. Thanks, Connor. Uh, I got an email from mud. Mud. Hello, mud. (laughs) Mud writes one. I am a she in order to avoid all that gray cat, fancy feast awkwardness about he or she. I am putting it out there. 
Two. Uh, we're going to skip two. Ah, three. Wait a minute. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I sentenced one David Stecco to the penalty box. In the Mel's whole episode, he stated that 2016 was going to be a good year, clearly having jinxed 2016 and making it the foul shit sandwich disaster it has become. We are about to have a Muppet for a president. Uh, Prince is dead. Did I mention that the Orange Julius disaster, who is about to be the leader of the free world, penalty box and for good measure you have to sing hallelujah as you're clearly responsible for leonard cohen's death too i wish i had that much power and here's the thing i feel like as a nation we've all been put in the penalty box so uh, i feel like there's going to be some time served there for us all and you know you're right me for well being optimistic (laughs) yeah i don't i don't know about I might have to rule against this just in the sense that you shouldn't you shouldn't have to go to jail for trying to be positive yeah, because right. I think we need more of that. Yeah, I, I'll say this. I, I don't feel that she earnestly wanted me to go to the penalty box, but I, I think there was a, 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 yeah. a completely understandable general frustration. Point three in regards to your Scottish accents. My husband was born yeah. in Scotland, Glasgow, actually which is the Scottish equivalent of Dorchester. (laughs) Say hello to your mother for me. My husband and I have been together for more than 10 years, and I have not understood a damn word my father-in-law has said. He seems like a nice man. He smiles at me. Might be telling me to bugger off, but he smiles. As far as I can tell, the most accurate Scottish accent is to throw a set of pans down some stairs at Mike Myers playing the father character from So I Married an Axe Murderer. If you don't have a Mike Myers, the pans will work just fine on their own. <laughs> <laughs> That's glorious. Thank you, Mud. Thank you, Mud. Here's to uh, about a 2017. Here's one from Rice Swagger. Oh, sh! Just listened to Count Germain. Realized you'd asked some of your Mason listeners whether we had heard of him influencing any ritual. Pretty anticlimactic, but I haven't run across his name in anything I've done so far. Uh, There is, however, a wide variety of Masonic ritual. In fact, one of the biggest misconceptions, besides the whole taking over the world thing, is that there is one underlying ritual. There are, in fact, a large amount of appendant organizations within Masonry, each to their own mythos, heroic personages, lessons, and language. Some examples are Shriners, or the 32nd degree Masons of the Scottish Rite. In short, it is possible that he pops up in one of the several groups that I am not associated with. That's a, that's pretty thorough. I dig it. Yeah. And swags. I can we call you swags because we're friends. Sorry, I don't have anything more exciting, but I'm constantly attempting to understand more about the history of masonry and its development. And if I run across something better, I'll let you know. P.S. If you never hear from me again, it's because the Illuminati found me and are pissed I was sharing New World Order stuff. Oh, man. Yeah. You and me both, brother. Whew. <laughs> it gets exhausting. I'm getting asthma from blowing the lid off everything. <laughs> asthma thank you rice swagger <laughs> thanks rice swagger and uh closing it out how about sarah is a quark sarah is a quark sarah is a quark 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 <laughs> <laughs> uh hello from the archives still not all the way through them yet because clearly everyone is so interested in my progress just want to share with a sort of interesting thought i had uh yeah so sarah grew up as a Wiccan and found it just as boring as people who are brought up in any other faith did like, ah, uh, more shit I gotta do. Yeah. <laughs> Which I find, I find that's really interesting and funny. Yeah. 
like she specifically, uh, I really want to go to Megan's party, but we're doing a La Gunsunad ritual. It sounded like I just penalty boxed myself. And I got to call the corners, and I'm always really tired after the ritual. <laughs> That's awesome. Craft uh, came out when she was in fifth grade, and so uh, suddenly it was like this weirdly popular thing, and she was like, seriously? Imagine like all like some movie comes out, and everyone wants to go to Sunday school all of a, all of a sudden. Oh, yeah. yeah, That'd be irritating and weird. Anyway, um, uh, her mom was completely non-skeptical, not like crazy town, but uh, but her uh, her early life was fairly well indented with good old new age. Oh. For example, if she told her mom about a weird dream he had, her mom would be like, mm-hmm, you probably just astrally projected or yeah. regressed to a past life, you know, like you do. Uh, so the story, uh, to, to kind of parse it down a little bit, is that she had run a, a, a across a, a, a ghost of a child in a church that told her that there was something dead in the organ and she went to the organ and there was a dead bird in there, which is, uh, that's a, that's, that's a fairly heady experience for anybody. And this is, this is what I love about the inverse upbringing she had from everyone else around her. So she tells her mom like, Oh my God, I had this experience. And her mom was like, uh-huh. So did you clean your room yet? <laughs> uh, I, I, I love that. That'll, that'll get you. <laughs> Uh, anyway, thank you so very much, Sarah. Thank you. Is a quark. And thank all of you who take the time to write in. We, I promise you, we do read them all. And that's why it's January and we're in November. Um, which, is, which is good. We're closing the gap. Might close a little bit further when we're on break. A little mailbag. Throw that out there. Throwing that out there. Dave, I, I have racked up the penalties. Oh, shit. Yeah, I, I cannot... I cannot run from them now, you son of a bitch. It's time for you to 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 pay pay the pay the fiddler whore. That's right. First of all, uh, I said Enid Wellsford was um, a man, or I said he, which is completely wrong, as Enid Wellsford is a lady. Was a lady. I thought Enid was a boy's name. Enid was a boy's name. Uh, I was given the suggestion of that scene from Ghost Dad to do for the penalty box for that, by the way, and then. In one of those episodes, I said uh, uh, we we were talking about Bothans and the Death Star plans, and I said I had seen that documentary referring to Rogue One. Well, oh yeah, wrong wrong Death Star plans, bro. Yeah. Bothans aren't were not involved in in that. So my my nerd cred was speared. Well, I mean, if if that's uh, if you're gonna go to jail for that, you I mean you put yourself in there. I wouldn't, but that's me. That's no, I, I think that's fair enough. You've got to pride yourself on some kind of trivial knowledge on on that stuff. And boy, if you don't know that uh, Bothans are Death Star two instead of Death Star one, f- you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we tried the uh, the scene from Ghost Dad uh, in question, the Sir Edith Moser scene. Just not enough text for my speech to be jammed in there. Uh, so I'm gonna try rap because. I need a lot of a lot of words and a time limit. Everything I know is Beastie Boys. Uh, you could do well. Pick it. Yeah, let's pick up Beastie Boys. Paul Revere. Have we done Paul Revere? I feel like maybe we've done that one. I don't. I don't know that we have. Yeah, Paul Revere. Then okay, I'm calling it. All right, Dave. Uh, I'm in the piddle of uh... <laughs> Yeah, you are. <laughs> I'm gonna be doing uh, Paul Revere by the Beastie Boys. We mm-hmm. don't know if we've done this before or not, but I don't think I have. Ready. 
Well, here's a little story I got to tell about three bad brothers you know so well. It started way back in history with Ed Rock, MCA, Mike Big D. Had a little horsey named Paul Revere. Just me, my horsey, my bear hoarder. Crying right the coast of land. Can't get upset. I'm in demand. One lonely BCBIB. All by myself without nobody. The sun's beating down on my baseball hat. The hair is getting hot. The beer is getting flat. Looking for a girl. I ran into a guy. His name is CA. I said, Howdy. He said, Hi. Oh, yes. Okay. Easily my favorite part was the hello, horsey. <laughs> yeah, debt to society paid in full. Oh, my, oh, my. All right, everybody. Uh, you know by now how to reach us. Yep. Okay, I, I'm going to try. I'm going to try to. I'm going to go for this. Like, in, I'm going to do this quick and efficient. You ready? Sure. You can like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. You can give us five stars on iTunes. You can also check out Candy Chat at Candy Chatters on Twitter. You can also give us a donate button money. Or if you want to do it every month, you can go to patreon.com slash blurry photos because we're going to be getting drunk in March together. And you're going to love that too. Uh, audibletrial.com slash blurry photos is where you can get a free book. We get a high five. And the final and most important thing is that you can go to uh, Blurry Photos website, which is blurryphotos.org, and get uh, T-shirts. Or you can go to blurryphotos.threadless.com. You can go there and get all kinds of things if you live internationally or if you just want something we don't have on our store. So do all those things. Don't forget there's two um, pages on there. Two pages. Two pages. Both hands. Uh, Thank you so much for listening. You guys are magnificent. And that's it. I did it. That was one minute. I timed it. Well done. Thanks everybody for listening. I don't think yeah. uh, I don't think I have anything else. All right then. For this episode of Blurry Photos, I've been Dave the Fresh Boy Stecco. Yoink. <laughs> Purloined. I've been David. When my hot dog gets sick, I take him to the Corvette Flora. Jesus Christ. Jesus wept. <laughs> Dave just go wait with the others, all right? <laughs> Coral. Coral. Stay back. Stay by. Stay by. Stay by. Stay by.